Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Fabulous Pelton Cast. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carcino. And it is time for our annual look back in the year in Seattle sports. <sighs> my favorite episode of the year. 2023. And let me tell you, a lot happened in Seattle sports in 2023. There we go. I feel like we have to start that every year. <laughs> a lot happens in every year in Seattle I don't, sports. I don't know. There's Two, not one year where it's like, actually, nothing happened. No, 2020, I don't think we started that way. Number sure. one. But also, like, I don't know if you're aware of this. There's just a lot more sports in Seattle now. Yep. They added a, crack, a hockey team a few years ago, the Kraken. Heard I don't know it. if you're aware about it. The Mariners came back. <laughs> that was big comeback for them. <laughs> they, they moved back three years ago, I think. Is that I, right? I only remember it as being when Carlos Santana was traded. To the oh, team. <laughs> that was when you came on board. No, don't forget that one game. The one game that you're excited for. And, oh, yes, yes. The Mechaniker game back at the end of 2021. I'm really with Julio Dippian, but you know, the Seattle sports year in review used to be much faster because there weren't as many teams we were talking about, and now there are so many teams we have notes about. I mean, the Mariners just weren't even like they didn't even register in the year in review. They registered. We did some Mariners bold predictions. I remember boldly predicting about <laughs> Nelson Cruz was going to do poorly. <laughs> I was wrong. We'll always have the Robinson Cano emergency pod. <laughs> we will always have that podcast, which is obviously dominated by Chris Peterson talk. Do you have any big picture thoughts on the year in Seattle sports? I mean, it was it was the Huskies year. Yeah. And that's that's kind of it. It was Husky football, but you know, Washington sports overall, the way that they dominated the news story, because conference realignment ultimately is the biggest the biggest story to come out of this, which granted, you know me, I'm a conference realignment stan. I've got my can banner. We, can we talk about everything. baby fantasy genius here? About how he was up late conference realigning? You, He was like in his room. Uh-huh. You were like, go to bed. It was like 11 p.m. or something on Festivus. So Christmas Eve Eve. And, and he's got he's a pen and paper? Pen and paper, different markers for each of the, the schools that he was putting into different conferences together. And I was like, Luca conference realignment can wait until the morning <laughs> the conferences will still be there yeah in the morning and he said those conferences aren't going to realign themselves and i'm like brother they sure are <laughs> but th- that to me is we'll talk about this when we talk about our biggest news stories of the year but husky sports leaving a conference that they'd been in for the previous hundred years and then going on sort of to beat every single one of those teams in the last year of the conference was that was the news story of the year. You know, the Seahawks having a high draft pick, the Storm having a down season. Like, there were other things that happened throughout the year that, you know, we were tracking Caitlin Clark and the draft lottery watch. But, like, ultimately, this was. This was the Husky sports year and football being foremost amongst it. Well, I think the sports stories of the year will reflect that. Let's start. With our honorable mentions, I did not put the Storm not winning the draft lottery as an honorable mention. But we start on that front with women's basketball front. UW women's basketball reached the NIT final, a nice run there for Tina Langley, and then tied the best start in program history at 11 and now. This is clearly a program on the rise. We'll talk more about that later. Very cool. Yeah, and I think part of the, again, Husky sports, following through, on expectations and seeing that it like I watched the last game that they played in the Pac-12 championship last year against Oregon I believe so yep. they lost to Pac-12 tournament yeah. um, in the Pac-12 tournament seeing that well, the like third of four head-to-head matchups with Oregon the Huskies finally got that tied up that season series with the win in the WNIT there we go uh, but even paying attention to that type of game that was the first I was paying attention to the Husky win basketball team since Kelsey Plum was there <laughs> Not, not only you. Not only you. Uh, next up, Maddie Beneers winning the Calder Trophy as NHL Rookie of the Year. Uh, this was exciting as kind of the culmination of this kind of 18 months of rookies, I guess I would say. Oh, no, I guess it was basically a year. From Julio Rodriguez's debut at the beginning of the 2022 season into Rick Woolen 
having his year and, and to a lesser degree Ken Walker the third, although neither of them won rookie of the year. And then Matty Beneers capping that off uh, has not had as strong a second season. Uh, but, you know, we're only halfway through Julio Rodriguez at this point in his second season was not doing as well as his rookie campaign. And then a very big second half was in store for him. I'm realizing now I missed a really obvious story that I'm going to have to edit in here is on the fly. Okay. Seattle Thunderbirds won the Ed Chenoweth Cup as WHL go. champions for the second time. That was a story we were tracking at times this year. Who did they defeat again? I, I don't remember. God, I, I, I wish I remembered who it was. Me too. Anyway, you, you can eat it, Saskatoon. The Regina Pats. St. <laughs> George got nothing. Yeah. Nothing. The Spokane Americans failures. Wait, which is the Tri-City team? The Oh, the the Tri-City Americans. Sorry, it's Spokane Chiefs and the Tri-City Americans. There you go. Yeah. There it is. Uh, let me see here. Is this going to bring up the 2022-23 WHL season? Finals champion Seattle Thunderbirds. They played against the... Winnipeg Ice. Hated Winnipeg Ice. Thank you. Wow. Uh, UW Baseball returns to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2018. That was fun. They did it for the rundown. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, that might be another season of... Is the, the UW Baseball season is still going to be Pac-12. The flip Correct. happens over the summer. Yes. Okay. It is not on January 1st, 2024, which would be very awkward for the for basketball. <laughs> basketball teams. <laughs> uh, UW softball returns to the Women's College World Series for the first time since 2019. They had the thrilling comeback against McNeese State in yeah. the regionals that we were following. These are all UW stories. It's kind of wild. I mean, there's, they sponsor a lot of sports, as it turns out. Uh, the Mariners, we pay attention to many of them for like one week a year. Exactly. Solid couple weeks with the softball. Softball is a, a mud. We pay yeah. attention the entire season to softball. M's hosts the All-Star Game at T-Mobile Park, where they had three All-Stars. Julio Rodriguez, who set the single-round record in the opening round of the Home Run Derby, Luis Castillo, and George Kirby. And for the Mariners in the All-Star Game, uh, the greatest moments were... Uh, followed by failure shortly thereafter. Julio Rod Rodriguez with that first round and then being knocked out, and then the chance for Shohei, and then the Mariners oh. not pursuing him even at all. Uh, it was not. We we had dreams of it being like 2001 all over. Oh, again. It, it was it was it so was, cute, and it was not like 2001. The Seahawks signed Geno Smith to a contract extension. Yeah, and kind of kind of interestingly. There was a point, I think we all anticipated that Gino was probably coming back, but his contract ended up being maybe slightly lower, structured a little bit differently than we anticipated. The market, not necessarily uh, what we thought it would be. After seeing this NFL season play out, I do feel like the Gino Smith contract looks better and better. And just how many teams are desperate for above average quarterback play, like that Gino, I, we should be very thankful for Gino coming back. We'll talk about it later. Jewel Lloyd wins all-star MVP part of his season where after one of our subsequent stories in the top 10, she uh, became the leader of the storm, set a single season record for total points with the extended 40 game regular season. Uh, and then lastly, among the honorable mentions, Seattle native Paolo Bancaro wins NBA rookie of go. the year. Uh, hopefully this is not the last time we talk about basketball to, to Seattle. Hopefully by this time next year, we're having a different conversation about basketball in Seattle. I would say you said last year that you should boldly predict that the NBA expands to Seattle every year. Yeah. He would not be allowable as a bold prediction for 2000. I have it on here. You do? Yeah. <laughs> you only have six of them and that's one No, no, I added that as a seventh. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, again, not bold enough to qualify. All right, now into our top 10. This is one we just talked about recently because it finally was confirmed by the Sounders. Nicola, Le Nicola Ladero departs the Sounders after eight seasons, including the 2016 and 2019 MLS Cup wins. Yeah, and it's interesting. You talk about, maybe we'll get to this later, you talk about those, the rookies that are on the different franchises throughout Seattle. And I do think this season was both marked by 
exciting this season this year was marked by exciting rookies but then also long-term maybe most important players on a team leaving those teams yeah and i think when you look at nico ladero it kind of defined sounders soccer for you know the initial generation of the team and with some other players that we'll talk about just to the listener mike bait who argued after we discussed whether ladero like who else was on the Sounders Mount Rushmore with him that the Mount Rushmore should be Ladero in four different jerseys. Wow. <laughs> I would not go that far, uh, but certainly important. Ladero in four different jerseys. Like he thinks Ladero is that important. I mean, the nightfall Jersey was pretty cool. It's, it's a fascinating one. I feel like for the average casual soccer fans, which I'm not sure if they exist, but like the, they, they <laughs> must. Is that you? Is that the the person who goes to the soccer one game and is like, why don't they stop the clock? <laughs> Look, many are saying I'm right. We can litigate soccer clocks. Every every the the soccer league office, they MLS. looked at, they saw the same thing that I saw. The soccer league office, uh, soccer league office, ML, in, the MLS FIFA. league office. It is kind not, of not known for their progressive thinking. I do feel like MLS is probably more open to yes. transforming the game than FIFA is. More open to starting with clocks that count down instead of up. Ooh. That's what they did in the early years of MLS. I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I also do not know about that. That's it too seems more stressful <laughs> somehow. All right, number nine, you alluded to this. The big departure in Seattle sports. I alluded to this as well. Brianna Stewart leaving the storm for the New York Liberty after six seasons in Seattle, including, including the 2018 and 2020 WNBA title titles, was finals MVP both of these years and MVP in the 2018 regular season. And she's not the greatest player in Seattle storm history because that's Sue Bird, but is right there with Lauren Jackson for the highest peak of any storm player. Definitely a sad loss for the Storm and definitely re reshaped the franchise post-Subert. Number eight, Seattle Mariners. After the winningest month in franchise history in August to put themselves in position to make the playoffs, eliminated on the final weekend of the regular season by the eventual World Series champion, Texas Rangers. I remember that. <laughs> I do. Dynamite drop in money. <laughs> I think a lot of Mariners fans remember that as well. And a lot of Mariners fans, maybe more so than they remember the Mitch Garver signing, remember the previous few months of the offseason because it's interesting how such small moments can define an entire franchise. And if you talk about the Mariners, if they sweep that series and make the playoffs, you know, it's one game that, that we're talking about right now. They lose on the Saturday and the season's over. But they had actually lost it earlier in the week and getting, I think, swept by the Astros. I think so. And those were the kind of games, even even just the handful that we talked about, like it's a long baseball season. You can pinpoint so many of them, but not being able to win so many of those close games, you know, the taking the lead and then the bullpen blowing it or whatever. There were so many of those games that happened. No, and they, they did take one out of three against Houston. They were swept at Texas before that. Oh, and the sweep at Texas. Like, the Mariners went into that stretch with a pretty good shot of making the playoffs. Yeah. And they played their way out of it. And I mean, Mariners front office did remember. It's just that all they remembered were the strikeouts that occurred <laughs> during those games. I, I think if they win that game, we're talking about a very different tenor around the Mariners. Because having course. playoffs is so different than not having playoffs. And I think the thing that makes people... The the make the most knee jerk reactions is almost making it, yeah. and that's what happened to the Mariners fans and the front office alike and the players even across the board. It was almost making it, and that's what happened to the Mariners not winning that game. And we felt like there was momentum. We felt like we had Soto Mojo losing that game on the Saturday, getting crushed, and not making the playoffs. And everything that happened after that, how the Mariners organization is defined, comes from that one game. Yep. All right, number seven, the Seattle Seahawks with a pair of first-round picks thanks to the oh, Russell yes. Wilson trade. Oh. Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith in Jigba. Oh, how sweet it is. 
It's funny because we were excited about Jackson Smith and Jigba the day of the draft. So, yeah, I mean, like, Devin Witherspoon was like, yeah, yeah, cool, fine. We got JSN. I, I mean, still excited about both. It was just, when you're talking about college football players, defenders especially, you just don't really know who they are. You especially might when they play for, like, very mediocre Yeah, when they play for fucking <laughs> Illinois. You might think that you have a beast of defender, and then you end up with Jalen Carter. Or you might not know who Good. the player is, and then you have Devin fucking Witherspoon on the roster. And that's the thing that is so exciting to me, is, like, seeing that first year of a player like Devin Witherspoon. Yes, he's missed a ton of games, but when Devin Witherspoon plays, he is at a different level than almost anybody else on the field. The both of them in tandem, these are the next time the Seahawks make the Super Bowl or whatever. It's going to be because of Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And having having very exciting rookies on offense and defense is such a fun thing that is going to carry us through through the next coach, through the next quarterback, through everything else in Seahawks history. The next coach? The name of the book is Win Forever. I I think that at least one of them is going to outlast Pete Carroll. Win Forever. forever. He did not intend to ever. <laughs> Pete Carroll believes the first man to coach. Doctors believe that the first man to coach forever has already been born. Pete Carroll believes. Intends to be that man. He's that man. Uh, but, but that's the fun thing about Devin Witherspoon and, and JSN, especially once they've kind of unlocked JSN a little bit and I mean, figured him out. It was a frustrating start to the season for Jackson Smith and Jim And Bates. both got injured. He has two game-winning touchdowns yeah. in his career. Most guys go their entire career without two game-winning touchdowns. So I, I think it's been, I mean, pretty much an unmitigated success when you look at these two draft picks and the Seahawks having both and looking across the league at a bunch of the other rookies. Like, the Seahawks are... A clear two for two, and so far having one of the best drafts of almost anybody in the NFL. I mean, I would say the wide receiver class in general turned out to be much deeper than people expected. Jordan Addison, obviously awesome in Minnesota. Well, they had competent quarterback play, and then Zay Flowers. Yeah, JSN is doing this with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I'm, I'm not unhappy about. It. I'm just saying, like, uh. It's been a very strong receiver class in general. And then Jake Bobo going undrafted. Yeah, freaking Bobo too at the end. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I just keep reflecting on that where it's like, we didn't know who the fuck Devin Witherspoon was until he started playing. And then it was just like, oh yeah, that that's when you really fall in love with players. It's not in college. It's not when they're drafted. It's them on the field making plays in big moments. The pick six against the Giants, the way that he hits, the shit that he talks, and then backs it up. This isn't him getting roasted for two game-winning touchdowns against uh, Devin Witherspoon, like his uh, uh, teammate in the secondary, like this is he—he he is talking the shit and answering for it as well. I made the executive decision to flip these new, next two stories based on this week's podcast. Wow, which we just recorded. All right, number six: the Seattle Kraken win their first playoff series in franchise history, beating you the Colorado Avalanche, the, the reigning <laughs> Stanley Cup champions. And taking the Dallas Stars to seven games in the second round of their thrilling playoff run that was the last time in 2023 you watched the crack. <laughs> a, f- a full game. Yeah. They I thought had, it was great. You could definitely see how, how a city can rally around a team like that. How it can gal- a, a Stanley Cup playoff run can galvanize a city. So, and, and I think the thing that we know about hockey is and pretty much every sport, but hockey maybe more so than almost any, is baseball ho- hockey and baseball. There. And MLS. Just get in. Three. Just get in. NBA, not as much. Well, we'll see if the Kraken get in the, this year. But uh, I, think, I think we've seen. Still an exciting move. But number five, UW men's basketball beats Gonzaga for the first time since 2005. And as we learned on the live on the weekly podcast, just their second win against Gonzaga since 1996 or 1995. I don't know, whatever the year was. For old time's sake. Mark Few, retire, bitch! Good night, Mark Few. We already eulogized the program after this loss. Define we. <laughs> Mike Hopkins coming up with the signature win of his tenure in Seattle, catapulting. I knew that there'd be children coming down after that. You <laughs> didn't promise earlier that you were not going to yell that. I had to do it to him. I had to you. do it to him. Okay, go back to bed. <laughs>
It's Look, for a weirdo. It's so loud. You don't need to tell us. Yeah. Okay, go, go. I'm sorry. There were potatoes in your stomach in your dream, uh, but. It's the potato famine in Gonzaga right now after that <laughs> loss and their loss against UConn the following week. Like, the program is not in great shape. There's NIL money pouring into every other college across the country. There's t- five-star recruits signing with the University of Washington. Uh, the disrespect to Northern Quest Casino has been noted. The, the victory for UW was great. The ending Gonzaga's program was even better. But Mike Hopkins with a signature victory and... Uh, very, very fun night for the Huskies. And, you know, just flipping things on the balance. This wasn't, this was kind of like the, the 70 to 21. This was bringing it back. All right, number four. Megan Rapino suffers an Achilles rupture in her final game as the Oil Reign lose the NWSL final to Gotham FC. Obviously an anticipated, uh, not anticipated, but, uh, you know, a, a, a much publicized final season for Rapino after she announced her retirement mid-season, much like her fiancée Sue Bird did with the Storm the previous year. The biggest attendance in NWSL history for her final regular season home game. I was one of the fans in attendance for that one, and it all sets up to the storybook ending of Oil Rain making the NWSL championship game a chance to send Rapino out a champion for the first time in her NWSL career, and instead... Minutes into the game, she's on the ground having suffered an Achilles rupture, and uh, Gotham FC goes on to win it, and and they give Allie Krieger that storybook ending in her final game instead of Rapino. Uh, but definitely doesn't diminish what Megan Rapino accomplished throughout not. her career, uh, being one of the best American soccer players of all time. So and will continue to do off the pitch now that she's in retirement. Being able to have that moment here in Seattle, I think, is pretty cool, and that's kind of what I was talking about. Was there are a lot of exciting rookies throughout Seattle sports, but at the same time, Megan Rapinoe is not going to be playing soccer anymore. Nicola Darrow is not going to be playing soccer in Seattle anymore. Like there, there were transitions that happened in Seattle sports and longtime legends that we were following leaving. End of an era, and OL Reign, you know, getting sold to. Presumably the Sounders, I think that's put that already on their list at 2024 since that transaction has not been completed is yet in calendar 23. But uh, that will certainly be a big deal and I think a, a positive long term for the future of this, the reign. All right, number three, what you already called the most important story of the year. UW joins the Big Ten after 56 seasons in what is now the Pac-12 and an affiliation with Oregon State and Cal dating back to the founding of the Pacific Coast Conference. In 1915. This is truly the end of an era. And and I think the reason that I say this is the most important story is the history, obviously. This literally co- changes the course of history, though. If the Huskies win a national championship with Michael Penix, Kalen DeBoer, like, that's great. We'll have a, you know, it'll, it'll be up in the stadium or whatever. This changes who they're playing next year. This changes the travel for individuals. Like, people's lives are being altered because of this move and the money pouring in from it. And while it is exciting and the prospects of the future, just knowing that you're in, in a way that, like, Friday night, right, the Huskies beat Oregon. It's like, we're in the college football playoff. We can just watch the world burn from this point forward, right? Seeing what's happening in the ACC and with other conferences along the way, like, it's nice being like, we know that the Huskies are going to be a place at least for now, that they will still be playing high-level competition, have the ability to compete for national championships. But ultimately, not maintaining those rivalries with Oregon State, right? Wazoo's going to keep happening, but with Oregon State, with Cal, with Stanford, teams like that, like that to me is the thing that that is what's lost here, obviously. And this literally changes the course of history. So any story that happens from here forth, just could not compare to that in a way that this also affects not just football. It affects fucking rowing. It affects... Does not affect crew, as we talked about. Oh, wait, it doesn't? They don't, have, they don't do conference stuff. Oh, okay, great. So <laughs> the boys on the boat are fine. Um, but but this, this affects the baseball team, the softball team. This affects the basketball team, obviously, playing in a totally different place, ultimately coming down to money and money for the sport of football. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree in terms of long-term ramifications. This is going to be the most important. I still don't feel like it's the the most important story within calendar 23 because it, it's part of a larger, more sweeping narrative, I would say. That's happening throughout college sports. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And I think long-term, the thing to remember is I don't think that the Huskies are in the Big Ten for the rest of time. I think there's even a chance that they end up playing many of the same teams eventually. And as, as long as the programs continue, they're going to be more aligned with the bigger programs. They're probably not going to be in a conference again with somebody like Oregon State or Wazoo, but they could be in a position where they're playing six West Coast teams or something like that again. And I, I think college football is right at the beginning. This might feel like it's the end of conference realignment, but ultimately I think this is right at the very beginning of conference realignment, what we're going to see eventually. The teams that should be more concerned are the smaller teams in the SEC and the Big Ten, that eventually there could be a Super League type type league that happens. And this is, it's going to be an ongoing thing as money is going to push in different directions. As we talked about, when we talk about the Mariners, right? We talk about the subs going down for cable. Like money isn't endless when it comes to TV rights. And there may come a time when difficult choices need to be made. And there's certain teams that ultimately are making, that are, that are, uh, uh, right in inertia, accounting for a bigger piece of the pie that is coming in from the networks than others, yeah, and getting paid the same amount of that pie. And there's always going to be friction when it comes, when it comes to something like that. And it's a difficult thing to figure out. I don't have the answers for it at this point. It means that UW is playing in the Big Ten along with Oregon, UCLA, and USC, but. That is that is going to be an evolving thing. Well, as we'll see later in the pod, you definitely did not have the answers for it this time of year ago. <laughs> did I? Oh, God. I think I scaredly predicted that they'd be staying in the <laughs> Pac-12. Number two. All fear. Michael Penix Jr. finishes a runner-up in Heisman voting, the second finalist in school history, and the highest finish ever for a UW player. And I, I honestly, the thing that I'll, I won't forget is that video about a year ago of Michael Penix Jr. coming out. They had the season in review or whatever. Team banquet. And then they announced that Michael Penix Jr. is coming back. And in that moment, I was so fucking hyped that we got to see another year of Michael Penix Jr. play quarterback. And also in my mind, I was scared because I didn't want to have the end to the story be a seven and five season or whatever. I didn't want it to be Michael Penix Jr. came back, and that kind of sucked. I didn't want it to be Jake Locker comes back, and it's like, we still got drafted high, but he didn't play that well. And we've seen that, even Jake Browning senior. Someone yelled, burn your jersey at me yeah. while I was wearing a Locker jersey. <laughs> that, that was, I, I, in that moment, I was so excited about him coming back, but I also was like, damn, like maybe we should have just ridden this high that we were on and just have the unknown, right? Have have the Martel Webster Husky basketball, right? Like the years that you don't have, the Mariners in 94, the years that you don't get to see are always the most exciting ones. Yes, you, you, you can imagine it was whatever you wanted it to be. But for this team, I guess we're going to talk about this next at number one. Number one, UW completes an undefeated regular season as Pac-12 champions, beating Oregon twice on route to the college football playoff. <sighs> Literally could not ask for a better way for it to have happened. I mean, I could ask for some better ways. It doesn't matter. They would have beaten Washington State by more than, you know, what they did. Honestly, just being in that moment, there's so many moments that you could just, like, close your eyes and be back there in that moment. End of that Wazoo game. I can just close my eyes and be back there. Games that blowouts, I just, you don't even remember them. I, I definitely remember the Michigan State game. I remember many things about that game. For a, a sec- second, but no. like when well, you were there. Yeah. So that's a little bit different. I remember but a like, lot of things about the student section being completely empty <laughs> by halftime. It's great. <laughs> Loved every moment of it. Uh, but to the a beat smooth Morgan, drive with no traffic out of there to our hotel outside the amazing. Detroit area. It's great. To, to have had this undefeated season and to have it culminated. With beating Oregon for a second time, even and with the cockiness, the bravado that Oregon had the entire season, Oregon fans, I'm not saying the program themselves, but I think they thought they were going to win. And to have beaten Bo Nix two times in his Heisman season, right? He got Brock Purdy on Christmas Day, right? We straight snatched his Heisman from him right in front of 
a national TV audience saw I think that. That's actually underselling it because it wasn't that he played that poorly. It was just that Michael Penix Jr. played that well and surpassed him to finish second in the Heisman voting. To go back to the second story, Michael, Michael Penix Jr. played better, finished higher, should have been the Heisman, and I, I, whatever. I guess that leads naturally into our Seattle Sports Figure of the Year. So as a recap, we began doing this in 2013. In 2013, I chose Pete Carroll. You chose Russell Wilson. Next year, I chose Marshawn Lynch. You chose R- Richard Sherman. Oh. 2015, I took Russell Wilson. You had Michael Bennett. 2016, we both had Chris Peterson. as The Huskies went to the college football playoff for the first time. 2017, I had Tim Liewicki. You had Clint Dempsey. 2018, we both had Sue Bird. 2019, I had Brian Schmetzer. You had Megan Rapino. 2020, we both had Brianna Stewart. 2021, I chose the curse. <laughs> and you chose you, the fan, 75%. And Alex Rodriguez, 25%. <laughs> Still hilarious, especially because the Minnesota Timberwolves are not moving to yeah, Seattle. No, I, I can so. confidently stay. We'll see if the Alex Rodriguez is buying the Timberwolves uh, down the road, but not coming to Seattle. 2022, I, in a controversial move, <laughs> Chose the entire Seattle Mariners. You chose Julio Rodriguez. <laughs> you went really conceptual a couple of years in a row. I feel like I you, the, you, the fan, is it more was conceptual. literally fans coming back from COVID, and you chose a, a tenuous curse that if you would explain that to somebody, you'd be like, "Well, all the teams started playing kind of bad around the same the time." The main thing we talked about for like months on end. Although the amusing thing is, as I've said before about the curse, is we thought part of it. We even came up with the verb getting hanered oh, to yeah. think something was going to happen because we thought Jake Hayner was transferring back to UW, and he didn't, and it turned out to be the best thing that could have ever happened. We were left with it. Because obviously the Seattle sports figure of the year for me is Michael Penix. Oh, it's Michael Penix, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, you could debate Michael Penix and Kalen DeBoer, but the, the thing is, this was Michael Penix's season. Yeah. Starting from that moment that you referenced of him announcing he was coming back. Look, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to say the same thing I said about Julio that I'm not going to pick Kalen DeBoer because there are bigger things in store for him because it there only can be. get so much yeah. bigger than this. But Kalen DeBoer is is going to be... How are you feeling about that bigger things in store for Julio Rodriguez at this point? I mean, he's probably going to be amazing. Let's wait for the bold predictions no, sure until you find awesome. out how I feel about the bigger things in store for Julio Rodriguez. Kalen DeBoer, you know, assuming the contract extension gets announced at some point here, is going to be a long-term fixture in Seattle sports. This is it for Michael Penix Jr. Yep. And I have spent this entire season cherishing, except for the Arizona State and Washington State games, Michael Penix Jr.'s presence and just like the comparison to... We saw the darkness in an offensive sense in the 2021 season in particular. And to go from that to this incredible offense the last two years with Michael Penix Jr., one of the things we talked about a lot with Russell Wilson is like the confidence we had that when the camera panned downfield on a Russell Wilson deep shot that Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf or Doug Baldwin Jr. was going to be streaking over open and Russ was going to hit them in stride. And that's how I felt much of this season about Michael Penix Jr., except that all of those, almost all of them were in person because I think other than the Pac-12 championship, that was like the only time he played well when I wasn't there in person. And he just did the damn thing, right? Like, I think that's kind of it. Michael Penix Jr. said he was coming back, said they had unfinished business. Well, they're going to try to finish that business now. They gave them a ch- themselves a chance to do it. They get that ball back against Oregon, right? Oregon goes for the fourth down. Michael Penix Jr. comes right back and hits Roma Dunze for a touchdown. And if you want to talk about anybody else, Roma Dunze is, the, is another person who could be on this list as well. well. Yeah, we have not mentioned him yet during this podcast, but it's not just Penix coming back. It's also a Dunze. It's also Jalen McMillan. Obviously, he was, you know, his season was marred by injuries, and hopefully there's going to be a, a 2024 as well for Jalen McMillan where he can reprove his value. But Troy Fautanu as well on the offensive line, part of that Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. Like, it's everybody. But, but it started Penix, with Penix. They, they get the ball back. He goes down and scores. They get the ball against Wazoo. He goes down and scores. They get the ball at the end of the half. I don't against... actually think they, they just ran out the clock there, didn't they? Wazoo? 
they hit a game-winning field goal. Oh, you're right. Uh, well, clearly you don't remember that moment. You remember the fans in Michigan State. I mean, I remember the fourth down. In my head, it was to run out the clock. Uh, but that's that's what Michael Penix Jr. did. He salts games, right? They get the ball back against Oregon. Oregon thinks that they're going to get a stop. Desperate for a stop. Michael Penix Jr. ends the game against USC. Oregon State? The completion to Odunze? The completion to Odunze, trusting Penix in that situation. They get the ball against against USC. Uh, they get one stop, finally. They get the ball, boom, touchdown. Then salt the game away, right? That's what Michael Penix Jr. does. He wins football games, and he's been incredibly good at it these last two seasons because this isn't just for this season. This is really the whole body of work in Seattle. He's the greatest quarterback in University of Washington history, and that is why he is unanimous as the Pelton Cast 2023 Seattle Sports Figure of the Year. I'm just excited for it to be unanimous again. It's been a while. Well, I didn't. You you would have picked the entire team. <laughs> I picked the unanimous person last year. You were the one who went astray. I suppose that's a fair did point. You, did you think that I was going to also pick the Mariner? <laughs> no, not particularly. <laughs> if you're excited about being unanimous again, you're the one who's back to normal, not me. Mm. It's kind of fun hearing those, though. Where there was a year where I picked Megan Rapinoe and you had... Yeah, that was after the World Cup because that was the 2019 World Cup. Uh, that was the year I had Schmetzer after the Sounders' second MLS Cup win. I All think right. it's fun when there, there's different players. So I never picked Pete Carroll. Or you had Pete Carroll and I had Russell Wilson or vice versa. I had Pete Carroll when you had Russell Wilson. I never picked Michael Bennett or Richard Sherman. You never picked Marshawn Lynch or Pete Carroll. Wow, Pete Carroll's still time. <laughs> He's there, there is. <laughs> Look, again, it's win forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You think he's not going to get it back? Pete Carroll thinks he's going to get it back. Um, think Pete Carroll thinks he's never going to the Super Bowl again? Absolutely not. He's extremely optimistic, and sometimes you agree with him, and sometimes it's infuriating. Well, speaking of sometimes it's infuriating, let's look back on last year's bold predictions, starting with yours. And we'll start with your correct one. Oh. In the final year of the current Pac-12, UW will play Oregon there we go. in a rematch and win. I don't know if you actually specifically said that. In they were a win. rematch? Well, you, the schedule was out. We knew UW was playing Oregon in the regular season. I know. <laughs> so by like, definition, it was a rematch. I called that they were going to both get to the Pac-12 championship. You did, game. yes. And what, what was going to happen? I don't know if you said, actually. I didn't write that down. I do, I, you may have just been predicting the rematch, but I think you were also. Uh, then we then we moved on to Tristan. I will boldly predict if this happens, we're going. And I said 100%. And neither of us went. Did not go. <laughs> I did not, at that point, predict, the, predict that the NBA was going to be doing the in-season tournament or that there would be a live podcast I would be going to the next Friday night. So. I think we were so scared of Oregon, it didn't even really cross my mind. I was like, I'm not trying to go to Vegas to see us lose to Oregon. I'm, I, I probably would have gone otherwise. It's kind of hilarious, my confidence about Texas and how scared I was of that game. Let's hope it's not hilarious in this, the way many of these bold predictions are. Uh, number two, after re-signing Geno Smith, the Seahawks are currently 4-9 and looking at the QB class. Wow. You also said you expected the Seahawks to take a quarterback in the first three rounds of last year's draft. Uh, Daryl Taylor will be traded this offseason. Yeah, I feel like Daryl Taylor, I was thinking about that bold prediction, just not, does not have the kind of value. He's a restricted free agent this year. I believe so. And I don't feel like... Or is he unrestricted? I think when you end your rookie contract, you're unrestricted, right? I don't feel like he has a massive market or anything. He's been pretty faded in this. See, they probably should have traded him a couple of years ago. Well, last year probably would have been the time. You also said in that suggestion section, I also would love to have Bobby Wigner back on the roster, but I don't think that will happen yet. We both thought it was going to happen after 2024. All right, next up. The Mariners will win their first home playoff game since 2001. Wow. To which I chimed in, is that a bold prediction? <laughs> <laughs> and this particularly amused me in the context of, of my comments last week, or a couple weeks ago, maybe it was. Negativity about the offseason has overshadowed how good the roster wow. is. Wow. Perfect roster. <laughs> Did say. <laughs> No, no one boldly predicted Tommy Lestella on opening, <laughs> starting at DH on opening day. All right, next up, George Kirby 
will finish in the top five of AL Cy Young voting. Probably should have. He had a monster season. You weren't that far off. He finished eighth. It, you said, the way you set this up was a Mariner will finish in the top five, and it won't be Luis Castillo. <laughs> and Luis Castillo. Maybe I, was, maybe I was setting up Logan Gilbert. Luis Castillo did, in fact, finish fifth. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, so I was right. No. I said, said a Mariner will finish in the top and five. it won't be Luis Castillo. I think you're parsing that a little bit too no, much. No, you were specifically boldly predicting that George Kirby would be. Luis Castillo isn't even that bold a prediction. I guess so. You don't think anything's a bold prediction. Uh, we also made... You really spent a lot of time litigating what can and cannot be a bold I'm prediction. I'm the ombudsman. Uh, <laughs> you, you're on it. You can't be I, I the ombudsman. Know. I know. Uh, we also made a lot Where's of Katie when you need her joking about the odds of Robbie Ray winning AL Cy Young. We, we, we were joking sadly. about that because we knew we, we didn't know. All right, next up, he didn't even cross my mind as a as a possible person. The Sounders will miss the playoffs for a second straight year. The joke was on you as they uh, were the number two seed in the Western Conference. Your bonus bold prediction here that the MLS Cup final would pit Messi versus Ronaldo. Wow. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo signed for Saudi club Al Nasser on December 30th after we recorded that podcast. Messi, of course, did come to MLS, but Inter-Miami was hopelessly out of the playoff picture by the time he arrived. I'm calling that a good bold prediction. They'll always have that League's Cup, though. <laughs> and lastly, I'm calling this a failed, inaccurate bold prediction. <laughs> As some, the ombudsman. <laughs> some sort of platform that looks almost identical will replace Twitter. And unless you want to call X a platform... What about Blue Sky? He's not replaced Twitter. Hmm. I'm enjoying Blue Sky. Join us on Discord, Pelton Cast. (laughs) Very few posts. But this was what I said at the end of this. We've got the Pelton Cast Discord waiting in the wings. You actually said that? I did. Wow! There was your bold prediction. Because I didn't get many of my actual bold bold prediction about a thing that you would do yourself. Control, yeah. All right, my bold predictions last year. You see, you went one of nine, I believe it was. Uh, look, I'm not trying to get them right. You don't want to get too many right, but you want to get some right. Next up, uh, first up, you mentioned the fear about Michael Penix's return and what we've seen in the past with Jake Locker and Cody Pickett with Heisman hype going into their returning seasons. UW football wins fewer than 10 games next <laughs> season. You said, I love you predicting that. Next up, Shohei Otani is a member of the Mariners <laughs> by this time next year. <laughs> to which you said, so dumb, I'd like to boldly predict that Shohei Otani is a member of the San Francisco Giants. Oh. Uh, my bonus bold prediction, which also was inaccurate, was that Cal Raleigh would be an all-star. <laughs> uh, next, the Sounders make the semifinals of the Expanded Leagues Cup. Oh, they made the semifinals of the playoffs. But not the League's Cup. They didn't make the semifinals of the playoffs either. They made the quarter, lost oh. in the quarters. Uh, they went 0-2 in the group stage and were eliminated quickly from the League's Cup. Uh, my my World Cup-related bold prediction that Rose, was, Rose Lavelle would win the Golden Ball as the best player at the World Cup. She did not score, had only one assist, and missed the U.S. WNT's round of 16 loss to Sweden on penalties due to yellow card accumulation. I kind of forgot that World Cup even happened. <laughs> Me too, a little bit. Uh, the NHL announces that the 2024 entry draft will be held at Climate Pledge Arena. Instead, they'll hold it at the Sphere in Las Vegas. Oh, we last, earlier this that month. was a good bold prediction, though. Yes. Uh, if you would have predicted the Winter Classic. Well, that was already announced by this what, point. Was it? Yes. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah, I think we knew that. Uh, the Denver Broncos' first-round pick is used to take a quarterback. Quarterback. Yes. So we recorded this last year before the Broncos won two of their final four games to push that down to fifth. Uh, my explanation was I thought that multiple QBs would be taken in the top five, which seemed controversial at the time. Three? Three went in the yeah. top four picks ahead of the Seahawks at number five. If the Broncos pick had been... I, I don't know if the Seahawks would have traded down. <clears throat> I, I think they would have stayed where they were, and I bet they would have drafted Willie Anderson. Yes. If he, if they had been at number three, but if they had been at four where Richardson went, then they probably would have traded down. Maybe. They might have just taken Devin Witherspoon. There was so much deal in Carter talk on last year's pod. Uh, my bonus, bonus bold prediction there was that the LA Rams would win the NFC West in 2023. 
Impact, which you said that team will be trash next year. I think they have <laughs> fallen neatly in between those yeah. two categories. <clears throat> this was, of course, before we knew the Rams were going to gut their defense. So the fact that they are looking no, actually on track to make the playoffs, they've dramatically overachieved. Uh, next up, I was boldly predicted that the Storm would change head coaches, which was basically my way of saying that they weren't going to be very good if Stewie left. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead... Uh, they did well enough in a rebuild season that Noel Quinn signed an extension after the season. So good development there. Did you get none right? Well, I got one right. Okay. I talked, alluded to this earlier. Oh. UW joins the Big Ten, to which you said you're so off on that one. <laughs> because there was no steam about it. At there point, really kind of wasn't, which for was what it's worth. why it was a bold prediction. I. That's why I feel good about that one. It's pretty interesting. I, I do feel like the UW, like they had the famed meeting in like September of 2022 where everybody met in Chicago and uh, they vetted, vetted the institutions. But this came down to the, the chances of you being right or wrong on this one came down to like a day. Yeah. And it's kind of wild how something that is literally changing the course of history came down to so late in the process and how these things you imagine in your head that there's a lot going on behind the scenes jockeying conversations things like that powerpoints in the end behind the scenes of anything this is my this is my perspective this is why conspiracy theories are always wrong because there's never that much going on behind the scenes of anything there's always so much you can create so much more complex of a story in our heads than, than actually is what is happening or whatever. It's like, just some power people, powerful people making a decision. Yeah. In a moment being like, all right, now's time. And being like, okay, this. But the amount that was happening, I think, behind the scenes and that and almost anything else sports-wise, especially, I think about this when there's people who need to make a decision about players or whatever. And it's just like, happens in a day, Right. Money that's being spent, trades that are happening. It's kind of what this was. This was the transact of college football. And it wasn't months leading up to this. It wasn't. I mean, there's, there's a lot of NIL now, to, or of transfers now. So that's also the transact of college football. But, the, you know, this, this really came down to, as we've seen with information coming out, like there was all the way down to the morning that the Huskies announced that they were going to the Big Ten. Yeah. Seemed like Oregon was happy to con- continue with this Apple deal and be in the Pac-10 as it were. And I think for what it's worth, you have to respect Anna Marie Kause and Jen Cohen, uh, Husky Athletic Director at the time. Did not boldly predict her departing for USA. Yeah, to being in the Big Ten one way or the other. Uh, but making making that difficult choice and moving to the Big Ten. But I think this was something that a year ago, December 26 or whatever, 2022, I don't think the Big Ten was talking about Oregon and Washington. I, agree. I think things came to a head very, very quickly. But that's why it was a good, bold prediction. So, All right, let's get into our 2024 bold predictions. You're putting on your Nostradamus beanie. Nostra I, Tristan beanie. I want to do this one. This is my favorite bold prediction. This is the biggest bold prediction, but I want to do it first so you don't boldly predict something before me. Okay. October 5th, 2024. In the first game day, the Huskies host as a member of the Big Ten. An <laughs> undefeated rematch. Of their previous meeting in the college football playoff championship game, the Huskies avenge their loss with fans storming the field. And we host an emergency pod for the ages where we claim this win was actually better than beating them in the national championship game because it was done at home. This is so specific. So if we don't do an emergency pod for the ages, (laughs) you still get the, you know... <laughs> you just a lot concocted elaborate story. It is all literally everything is pointing towards I, this. I, this is great because this is the equivalent of you boldly predicting every year for several years that the Seahawks would host uh, such and such team a Super Bowl rematch week one Thursday against the Steelers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe they are this year. <laughs> they are not playing the Steelers next year. I regret to inform you. All right. My UW football-related bold prediction. I've got other ones, other UW football bold predictions. I've only got the one. Austin Mack will start more games than Will Rogers for the Huskies in 2024. Will Rogers (laughs) is invited to the Heisman ceremony. Wow! With Kalen DeBoer earning a reputation of turning quarterbacks into Heisman candidates. Oh, he's going to be the Lincoln Riley himself. Meanwhile, the quarterback whisperer, the team from down south, 
<laughs> Dylan Gabriel does not start every game. So again, those are separate bold predictions. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I'm not making organ bold predictions here. There's like complicated logic statements and if, therefore. Will Rogers, I'm sorry, but like it's so funny how divisive Will Rogers is to us. And this team. I mean, it's a bold prediction. I think it's unlikely that happened. Obviously, part of it is knock on wood, health related, could cause Aston Mac to start more games. But that's why it's a good bold prediction. <laughs> the ombudsman deems it a good bold prediction. I'd like to congratulate I myself. Own bold prediction. I'm patting myself good. on the back here. Uh, should we move on to the Seahawks? Or do you have any other for you? You don't put bomb. Contradicting something you just talked about, or maybe reinforcing it. The Seahawks will trade Geno Smith. Wow. So I think like everyone has been thinking about this as a binary discussion of will the Seahawks waive Geno Smith or keep him as their starting quarterback. And they haven't really explored that there's a middle ground here in terms of trading him, where you have that same $17.4 million in dead money as if you waived him. But for the team that gets Geno Smith, his contract suddenly becomes amazing. Yeah. He has no guaranteed salary either of those two years. So it's a two-year $47.1 million contract where the only guarantee is a $9.6 million roster bonus he's due. If you converted that to a signing bonus, all of a sudden his cap hit would be $17.5 million next year. Super reasonable for a starting quarterback. And then you would have the choice between a $4.8 million dead cap or paying him, I think it's like, you know, 19.6 million on top of that in 2025. So that's like an awesome quarterback for contract for so many teams. I do think there's a part of the Seahawks. They might think they can do it with Drew Locke. You think they can run it back with Drew Locke? I they thought long think and hard about this. And... Do you think long and hard about dropping whatever you just dropped? Your 2024 Seahawks starting quarterback? Geno Smith. I think they've seen enough and they've seen around the league like I was talking about. Of, does that count as a bold prediction? I think it does. Okay. Uh, I think the Seahawks mostly run it back, restructuring Tyler Lockett's deal uh, and releasing Jamal Adams after having no market to try to trade him. I think they are going to the offseason thinking they are trading Jamal Adams, and I think that Jamal Adams will not be traded. I agree with that. Uh, definitely considered some Tyler Lockett bold predictions about him not being on the roster next year. So I uh, eventually figured that he's probably gonna, they're probably going to run it back for one more year, and I think 2024 will probably be Tyler Lockett's last year on the roster. Yes, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was his last in the NFL period. I think they're going to run it back with almost everything. I do not think they're going to run it back with almost everything. Should I get back get to my next bold prediction then? I have no other Seahawks ones. The Seahawks will bring back Sean Desai. Wow. This time is the defensive coordinator replacing Clint Hurt. Clint Hurt is so set in stone as the defensive coordinator. So the Pete Carroll wheel of coordinator blame has actually turned now to nobody. Yeah. Because people are feeling good about the yeah, Seahawks they winning won two, game. games they won two games in a row. But eventually, the Seahawks are going to face good teams <laughs> on the road in the playoffs. Like you I think, think they're going to fire Clint Hurt if they make the playoffs. I think they're going to get to make the playoffs, and they're going. Their defense is going to be embarrassed so badly in the playoffs that they will have. He will have to find a scapegoat, and it will be Clint Hurt. All right. I I also am pretty skeptical about Sean Desai. I like it. I like it as a bold prediction, but I I am very skeptical about Sean Desai also. Like him coming back. Or yes. him is a coordinator. Both. I mean, he had play play calling duties taken away from him for Matt Patricia. I think that again speaks more to the Philadelphia Eagles than it speaks to Sean Desai. And I like, it's not like Pete Carroll's going to care what somebody else thinks of Sean Desai. He's already he's already had it. He knows what he's getting. Uh, what do you want to do next? Mariners. Sure, Mariners. After hitting thirty two home runs this season. Julio Rodriguez will join Jay Buhner, Nelson Cruz, Ken Griffey Jr., and Alex Rodriguez is the fifth player in franchise history to hit at least 40 home runs in a season. There we go. I love that. Marine layer be damned. I, I think despite our offseason complaints, the Mariners will win the AL West. Okay, that qualifies as bold. Behind Julio Rodriguez's finally breakout season, <laughs> truly breakout season. 
and he finishes in the top five of MVP voting. When did he finish this year? I guess probably not that high because the Mariners didn't end up making the playoffs. There was a time it felt like he had a chance to finish pretty high in MVP voting, I would say. So, I'll have to go take a look at that. All right. That's all I have on the Mariners. You know, men's basketball? Oh, Mike Hopkins is getting an extension. Not bold? Not bold enough? No. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, I... Well, I'm going to say it either way. <laughs> okay. Uh, but writing the momentum of this of this transfer season and the season in general and the solid recruiting class, Mike Hopkins is signing an extension for four more seasons as UW men's basketball coach. <laughs> he signs an extension for five years. Is that wrong? <laughs> Three-year extension. You you got it wrong here. Uh, yeah, as usual, very specific from you. Uh, he finished fourth in AL MVP voting this year. Is he really? Yeah. Really, he's really good, man. I don't know. Maybe you've forgotten. It's been a while since the season. And 19 homers in the second half of the season. All right. My UW men's basketball bold prediction is a very specific, very niche one. Okay. Seattle native and Garfield alum Jalen Stewart will transfer to UW from UConn. Really? Where the four-star recruit has averaged 8.3 minutes per game thus far as a freshman, including one minute through the first two conferences. Is the Stewart brothers younger? No. no uh, unrelated? Not, yeah. A new Stewart? I think so. Yeah. Six foot six, combo forward. He could step right in and play the Keon Brooks Jr. role. That would be awesome. It makes so much sense. So I don't know. I mean, UConn is a place where players can come come up through the program. It's not like they're necessarily going to recruit transfers over him, but I just I feel the momentum a little bit after after the uh, after Zoom they played in and the Zoom the Zoom commitment. Yeah, you're assuming they're friends with each other. No, but just. It's a moment for the UW program. All right. What else do you have? Anything else? Uh, in general? Yes. Random ones. Euro 2024. Oh, no. He is Logic Stewart's son. There oh, we go. Wow. Son? Yeah. Yeah. Born in 2005. Euro 2024. Italy defeats oh, England on July 6, 2024 in Dusseldorf. En route to a finals match against host Germany. Well, that's definitely bold. It's all set up. If if Italy is uh, uh, number two in Group B and England wins their group, it's one match and then they play each other a and rematch. bring it on. A rematch of England comfortably finishing first in their joint qualifying. That's group. great. They can comfortably finish first all they want. They know. They know who they're scared of. All right, my remaining bold predictions. Dave Tippett, the longtime NHL head coach who's currently a coaching consultant for the Kraken, after serving as a special advisor during their expansion phase before taking the Edmonton Oilers coaching job, will replace Dave Haxtell wow. behind the bench in 2024. And a bonus Kraken prediction, they didn't get the draft, but Seattle's Climate Pledge Arena will be announced as the host of the 2025 NHL All-Star Game, where they are one of three finalists, Edmonton and Detroit being the others. University of Washington women's basketball will win an NCAA tournament game in their first appearance since 2017. Like, making the tournament is not a bold prediction for them. They have to win a game. And lastly, the Seattle Storm will sign Skylar Diggins-Smith as an unrestricted free agent, pairing her with fellow Notre Dame alum Jewel Lloyd in the backcourt. The six-time All-Star did not play at all in 2023 after giving birth to a second child. How big, how big of a signing would this be? I mean, I don't know if she would necessarily be the best player to change teams, but she would be way up there. I mean, she was all WNBA first team in 2022 before this. All right. Is that all? That's all I have. And as always, this is finally the year. 2024 is finally the year that basketball is announced back. Men's basketball, men's professional basketball. The NBA <laughs> is announced back to Seattle. Men's basketball actually came back to Seattle in <laughs> December 2022 with the Gonzaga win. But pro basketball, or 2023. Uh, I, again, like I said, I don't think it's bold. I don't know, you know what the timetable will be for when this gets announced, but I, I feel very good about the chances that it's going to happen by 2025. Wow. 
it was it was pretty incredible being in Portland. It was the first Blazers game I'd been to in a long time, and just how much fun it was. Just a random fucking December night against the Wizards. Basketball's fun all the time, and you know what? You don't have to stand outside to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, every other sport that I go to. It's just like, well, let me travel through this arduous weather to go freeze my ass off for a few hours and yell the entire time. Until they build Michael Penix Jr. that dumb. That would have been a good bold, good, bold prediction. The Seahawks take Michael Penix Jr. I don't they're, they're not going to. But Wouldn't rule it out. Basketball and the NBA coming back to Seattle would be the best thing to happen in the year 2024. I hope that you're right, and I hope that basketball comes back. On that note, once again, we want to say how much in 2023 we're thankful to you, the listener. We talked about the Discord earlier. It has gone from a joke on last year's Seattle Sports Year in Review and Bold Predictions to an important part of the Pelton cast in a place where we're learning a lot about Mitch Carver <laughs> and all sorts End of, of various other things. the year Talking Taco Time had in 2023. Yeah. 2023 was the year talking taco time finally blew up. It was. I don't know if 2024 bold prediction, Randy completes his quest. Wow. Yeah. I hope so. Uh, it's been an awesome year. Thanks so much to you for listening and, and making this all possible. And we hope to see you on New Year's Day. <laughs> but that won't be the most epic emergency pod if it if it does happen that's coming in october october 5th 2024 we'll mark your calendars now for october 6th that emergency pod in your feeds on that note thanks for listening thanks